Hello Team Builder. Thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Chris Cabert of Fun Doing and On Team Building. I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle Cummings of Training Wheels. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Well, hi, Michelle. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good. It's it's wonderful to be at Training Wheels headquarters again. It is. Since we've Zoomed a while. Yeah. I took the day off from the full-time job <laughs> to uh, come and see you and yeah. drop off some books and see the uh, operation in order boxes by the door oh you my gosh yeah full swing we're exploding full spring for, the for the summer programs right? yeah we're exploding with gear orders right now everyone finally has funding again and oh, want wonderful. to get back they're so eager to get back in person so my travel schedule is exploding the orders on the store are exploding it's it's a it's a good problem to have that's yeah. cool <laughs> that's cool yeah it's good yeah it's good in in different ways right mm -hmm. i think um, my full-time job I'm noticing people are a little apprehensive about coming back. Okay. So whether it's like they like being at home mm. and it's a little more, it's nicer, less commute. So it's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see. I've been doing, like you, more more face-to-face. -face. You've been out face-to-face -face with some um, people? I haven't in the last. I've actually still been pretty virtual okay. this last month or so, and that nice. is about to change. Yeah. Starting June 17th, I will go back in person and then I program almost every day for a month solid in like multiple states. It's, yeah. it's my travel schedule is definitely going to kick back in wow. very high gear. So, all right. Well, yeah. we'll have to get on these recordings a little sooner <laughs> than know, later, right? right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we, um, Today, Michelle and I really want to honor some questions that have been coming in. So what's our topic? Today, we're going to focus the episode on programming for specific topics. We've had a lot of requests come in for us to talk about specific audiences and specific topics. So we thought maybe we would take some of those specific requests and actually make them a little bit more general and, and approach them more like, how do you address you know, this specific audience. And really our advice is gonna be um, kind of the same no matter what your topic is. Uh, so that's kind of what we're, we're kind of taking a specific topic and making it a little bit more general. Yeah, for example, I've had a, a couple lately that someone wanted to know how to use image cards after our image cards episode. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you use them with people recovering from trauma? So it's a specific topic. Another one I've had uh, recently was from a group of teachers. Actually, they wanted to get together and brainstorm. And then one of them reached out to me, how do you work uh, team building programs with special ed students? Mm -hmm. you know, so now we're getting into niche, kind of niche uh, program audiences and those specifics. And you had, we had, you had one the other day. Yeah, right? which is very different. And it was around um, how can we address the masculine elephant in the room, which, you know, more specifically wanted to explore a little bit more around the influence of gender dynamics in the world of facilitation and just kind of the role that masculine gender norms play in the, in the art of facilitation. So, so that one specifically was one that I'm like, oh, I want to kind of, I want to talk about that a little bit, you know, being a female in the industry and, you know, one of uh, there's very few female business owners in the experiential field still. There's there's some out there and there are several husband-wife teams that are phenomenal as well. 
and you know and for me i feel like i you know early on in training wheels uh days when i first got started i definitely um i did i did not have a lot of support from some of my male peers i'll, I'll just say that but i would tell you now but but luckily even prior to training wheels i was so blessed when i was in a facilitation team i was the only female um and i had two or three or four um, male co-facilitators whatnot I really do feel like I was blessed with really caring um, conscious male facilitators that I didn't feel like there was ever really any a power play and that my voice was really heard uh, I also was blessed with a lot of good female role models for my that I was was directly reporting to like my supervisors and I know that that's different not everybody has that as well so but, you know, I would say now, you know, Training Wheels is 22 years old. Like if I were to fast forward now, I feel like the opportunities are so much better now for females in the industry. There's I would say there's still probably um, there's probably still more male facilitators than there are female facilitators. But I feel like now I don't feel like there's as much of a, a gap or. At least in my opinion, I feel like there's there's more equality there, or at least my I feel like my voice gets heard. Now, granted, I know that I I'm now looked at as one of the leaders in the industry, and being one of the only female leaders in the industry, I feel like I have fought hard to have my voice be heard, mm -hmm. and that it actually is now, which is awesome. And I hope that that has helped pave the way for other female facilitators to have a similar experience. Yeah, and you and I were talking before the show about role models mm -hmm. and we were speculating or maybe I was speculating that the idea if if a for instance it, this could go with any you know females uh, people of color different diversity backgrounds if they don't see people like them doing it mm. maybe they don't get as inspired but we we both have a, um, a, a colleague now in the field that you said when you met her as a high school student, she said she was gonna work for you one day. Mm -hmm. You were her inspiration at that point to uh, do something that you were doing. Right. Be the kind of person that you were. And as more people in those same roles are inspiring the younger people, you know, now you even talk about, you know, girls coding, you know, it, that never, for whatever reason, never was a big thing. Now it's this, this movement of mm -hmm. different groups of people are seeing people of their, I guess, kind doing these cool things. Now they have that choice. They mm -hmm. see that choice. Right. So it just takes apparently, you know, longer for some of those people to to get that um, mentor or kind of role model status, mm -hmm. so that people see options. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and it's no secret that historically women have not been you know 50 60 years ago it wasn't the norm that you know women were business owners and that they you know paved the way you know or even own businesses or or you know and honestly 60 70 years ago our field really didn't exist like it does today so you know so for it to now be fast forward into 2021 and now i mean you know as we were talking beforehand i can think of so many female leaders in our, you know, both in the challenge course field and the facilitation field. 
you know, you go to any of our industry conferences and you now see there's all kinds of women that are stepping up and being strong voices and and really demonstrating great skills. So, you know, so as far as around, you know, the gender dynamics in the world of facilitation, I really feel like it has come a long way, you know, and, and maybe if you're in an organization where it's maybe the culture there is still very male dominant, maybe you have a different experience and it and and maybe there's still a long way to go specifically in your organization. But in my opinion, the field itself, I feel like is really come a long way and it has, I don't feel like women have a disadvantage in the world of facilitation. Yeah, and there was a historic moment just recently. Uh, there's a company in Canada, AdventureWorks, who posted an article about as far as they know, the first challenge course built by an all-female crew. Oh, yeah. So they kind of put it out there to see if anybody else knew if that had happened. So right now they're claiming <laughs> to be the first. They sent out, AdventureWorks out of Canada, sent out the first all-female uh, building crew, which nice. is pretty cool. That is cool. And, and those are the things that hopefully spark that that interest in trying the and going down that path. Yeah, mm -hmm. very cool. Now, does it mean it's not still out there? Of course, it probably is. I mean, I just I think historically, just nationwide, worldwide, you know, that is probably it's always going to probably have a little bit of a underlying tone to it. Um, I think also it would just mean evaluating the culture, you know, the health of the culture in the organization that you work with. And being able to surface those hard conversations when you need to have them. So I actually have an activity that I use that I think will address this. You know, so when I when as soon as I got the question around, can you address the masculine elephant in the room? I was like, well, I have an activity that I actually call the elephant in the room. And I think that you so no matter what your hard topic is, I think this could do it. So it's it's using the pocket processor prop. Um, by the Institute for Experiential Education. Love it, it's serious. It's one of my absolute favorite. I don't leave home without it. And it is um, a deck of yin-yang cards. So the yin-yang symbol, of course, um, doesn't mean you have a positive negative, it means you have opposites, right? So on this yin-yang card, there are two, uh, two things that balance one another out or, or are opposites. And one of the cards in the deck is masculine, feminine. And so, you know, if, if this was one that I, if this was a topic that I needed to address in my organization, then that might be one card I would use. I would use in the activity. So what I do is I break the group down into small groups of three to four people, and I then I give them a random set of ten cards. Now you can be specific and play specific topics or specific cards. Kind of plant them if you know that's an issue going on in a team that gives them the opportunity to surface that and talk about it in their small group. But basically what I do, I tell them is, I want you to look over all of these topics here. You've got 10 cards, so really you have 20 topics if you've got 10 cards, you've got because you've got both sides of the card. And I want you to come to consensus on two cards. What is one that you think this team is doing really well together? And so come to consensus on that one behavior or whatever it is on your card. Or it could even be one that you feel like you have good balance in. You know, I'll leave that up to them to kind of decide. And then I want you to come up with the second one that is, what is one topic or something here that we could do better? So I, I never use the word positive, negative. What's one thing we're doing positively? What's one thing we're doing negatively? Like, I don't use that. What's one thing we're doing really well? What's one thing we could do better? 
And then, and I said, and I want this to be a good 15 to 20 minute conversation. I do not want you to raise your hand or call me over in two minutes and say, okay, we have our two, because that means you didn't really dive deep into these topics. But so what I want you to do is evaluate each one, hear from every voice in the circle, in the small group, and identify, how do you feel about this? Are we, do we do this well on our team? Or is this something that we could be, do a little bit better? And then through the process of elimination, start whittling down to where you have your one card that you've come to consensus with that, you're, that you feel that this team is doing really well and another card that you feel that we could do better. And then if you, let's say you have a group of 20 people, I would split the group into five small groups of four people. Now I have you report back to the other teams and I then create a list with flip chart paper up on the board or something. Here are the five things that we can celebrate that this team feels, the, the collective team of 20 feel that we're doing really well. And here's the five things that we could do better. And what I love, love, love about this is that maybe the person that hired me to come in and be the consultant for the day said, well, we need to work on this, 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 and this. I'm like, okay, um, I will take that into consideration. I will plan activities that will surface those specific behaviors. But what I love about the elephant in the room activity is that the things that they need to celebrate and the things that they think they need to do better are coming from that team and not from me. Right. So and then I help them create action plans and goals around, OK, how are we going to continue doing this well? Because if we just like check, we did that well, let's move on to the next thing. Then sometimes that can creep into the things that we need to do better. Right. If we don't give it the time, effort and energy that it needs. So and then, of course, then we have our other list, this list of things we need to do better. How, what are we going to what is it going to look like if we are doing this better. How's it gonna feel? How's it gonna, how are we gonna be behaving? Who's gonna hold one another accountable? Like all those are the most fabulous conversations that come out of this exercise. Give me an example. I'm, I'm, cause I know the carts. Mm -hmm. So they're what I would, some people may call them polarities. Some mm. people may call them a spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, let's say they chose the masculine feminine okay. card and they say, we need to do this better. Yeah. How do they, how do they, I'm trying to picture or conceptualize how we pick a polarities type of a card that we're not good at and we're good at. So I'm, we're as a team not good at the masculine feminine. What are they explaining to you? Right. So, you know, I'm trying to think if I've ever had a group actually choose that card and I don't think they have. What but one, what, give an example of what you've seen before. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I will say one in particular that I've seen is I'm a careful planner or I'm more spontaneous. Okay. So that's one of the yin yang cards that has two very different behaviors. Right. And, you know, so one group in particular that I um, that I remember vividly doing this activity with, they felt like um, it was very funny because they chose it for both cards, like oh, the thing they do well and the thing that they need to get better at. Okay. And I was like, oh, tell me more. Like whenever that happens, I'm like, oh God, I love that. Like just, cause then it just allows me just to just get juicier and dive deeper into them. Like, tell me more, investigate. So, um, so for, for that particular group, um, there of the, there was a group, small group of four people. And they were like, one of us feel like we do really good, careful planning. And the other three of us feel like we careful plan things to death. Right. And so you have that analysis paralysis, like, oh, my gosh, we're doing like, you know, and, and I think their natural behavior preference was definitely more. They're more spontaneous than they are careful planners. But the careful planner said, I feel I feel like my voice is heard 
in a room full of very spontaneous people. So they, they're like, well, that's actually a really good thing. And so they wanted to honor that, that, okay, I feel like we're doing this really well. And so, so that's why they chose it for that. But then they also said, but here's what we could do better. But then the careful planner's like, okay, I need to acknowledge that yes, my needs are being met, but I'm not meeting the needs of my team members. If they feel like we're planning things to death, then um, I need to be a little bit more, more conscious of my bias, of my behavior preference, and make sure that it's not all about me, but it's about the team. So they said, we feel like we're doing it really well, but we also feel like it's something that we could do a little bit better. And I was like, that's perfect. So, so if someone were to choose the masculine feminine card, you know, I think we're, you know, the topic that came in, how can we address the masculine elephant in the room? If that's a topic that is an important issue for somebody in the team, this is the activity that creates the safe environment for someone to surface that. They're like, you know what? Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a male that in a very female or a, you know, organization, they're like, you know what, I'm feeling a little ostracized or, or it's the other way around. You know, maybe it's the female in a male dominated environment that it feels like her voice is not being heard. You know, it goes both ways. And so, um, so that's where I think, you know, if it's an issue for that particular group, then it will, it, this activity creates the environment that it could yeah. be surfaced. So it's all, each card is almost like two topics they could choose from mm-hmm. in the sense of we're doing this well, but maybe not so well here. Uh, they put themselves, you and I both do that stand on the line where you mm-hmm. think you are between right. um, sponta- what, spontaneous and, and careful planner. And, careful planner. Mm-hmm. and then you see where people fit and then you go into the same kind of thing. Well, could you do better at this? That's cool. I like that use of the pocket processors. Very and neat. I have a yeah. blog article that I blogged about this um, several years ago. So we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes yeah. to where you can read the actual directions, how I do it and whatnot. But it is, it's one of my favorite, especially if I ever work with a team routinely. Like I have one team here in Denver that I do a program with once a quarter. And I love working with them because I've been working with them for over 10, 15 years now. And so they know I'm bringing this activity with me every single time. They're ready for those cards because it's one that, you know, once a quarter, once every three months, you know, for them, it's like, okay, let's evaluate the last quarter, like what's happened, the behaviors that have surfaced, like all of those things, you know, and um, the things that we celebrated, the five things we celebrated last month, are they still the things we're celebrating now? Or um, do we need, do we have new things to celebrate? Or do we have new things that we want to work on? That's cool. It's nice working with groups over a long period of time. Yeah. Another thing that came up with me around this question that that a little, maybe a different track than you, Michelle, is about just the general programming for the different kinds of specific topics. Mm. We get a lot of people asking us, give us an activity for this specific topic. And so much goes into choosing an activity. There are some general things to consider. And we've talked about this before, uh, looking at your group, you know the group, you may be the content specialist, you get it, you get the, you've worked with people recovering from trauma before, you've worked with special ed students before, you kind of know their behaviors, their dynamics. How do you program for that? It's it's deciding what you want to help them practice, mm-hmm. uh, what you help them want to consider or talk about. Your, we are, we as team builders are giving space for people to be, like you said, in a safe place. Hopefully we're creating that, right? Mm-hmm. And they're able to say, 
maybe gender issues of masculine feminine. Hey, you know, I'm not feeling good in this group because of certain behaviors that are, you know, not sitting right. They're offensive to me or they're, they're hurtful. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you as a programmer with your specific group decide what behaviors to work on and then you find activities that help you work on those behaviors. I think if we've been team building long enough, we got a pretty good group of activities and we know what kinds of behaviors they elicit. And then we identify those to plug them into any population that you're working with. And then you speak to what you want them to practice, mm -hmm. right? The communication, what about communication? Well, we gotta practice talking one at a time versus all at the same time, because that's not helping us. Uh, listening. How do we use practice active listening so that we know that we're communicating with each other more effectively? And then we choose activities that will have that practice available. So you're having a fun environment, being able to practice the things they can use in their day-to-day -day life. There comes that transfer in the experiential cycle. And part of that as a facilitator when we feel very strongly, for instance, about the masculine, feminine, or gender, the gender roles, right? Gender dynamics in facilitation. We also have to be careful of our bias. Right. Yeah, and uh, I studied uh, Glenn Thomas's, Dr. Glenn Thomas's work around a typology of approaches in facilitator education. And when we are training facilitators and the kinds of facilitators that we are, it kind of depends on you know, what we're after, what role we're in. And he starts out with just like training technical skills and you just gotta to get to know how to do things uh, so you feel comfortable. And you move, it's kind of a progression depending on your experience, but you move into intentional facilitation where you're basing your uh, process and your experience and activities on theory. People have done it before, you're basing it on their experience, you've got some kind of data to support what you're doing. Uh, moves then into a person-centered kind of a facilitator. Mm. You are now connecting more to the group and with the feelings that are being elicited, you're recognizing those feelings, you are you are empathizing with the people in their experience. So that becomes that person-centered, hey, they're, they're people. Mm -hmm. They're not just, we're right. not just programming for them. Now we're gonna interact. And the final one that is, seems to be what, what I would guess is kind of down the line as you're a facilitator, you get more into specific topics, like again, the masculine gender norms or the gender dynamics you are very passionate about helping to spread the word about this thing and, and educate people on certain topics. And that critical facilitator education or the critical uh, facilitator, uh, based on critical theory, if you wanna look that up, around just kind of opening up power structures to get mm. people to understand, right. as a person who is very passionate about a topic, you will have bias. So being careful, what, what Dr. Thomas says is when you're training around critical facilitation, the first step is to recognize your bias mm -hmm. or biases in the sense that what do I feel strongly about and am I directing the conversation right. or is my group directing the conversation? Is there an outcome based on what I believe to be true 
or am I steering outcomes to what I want to happen? Mm. This is a very challenging piece of, of facilitator education and a facilitator awareness around letting go of your agenda. Something It can be very hard. And facilitators who push agendas on people, as we know, and Michelle and I have experienced, doesn't go over as well if we are pushing what we think they need to know on right. them versus what are they learning. Just what you said before, we want to find out what they're learning. Right. You come. To, I don't want to give them what they're supposed to be learning. What comes up? Yeah. You start with objectives, but other things could surface. So the critical facilitator, if you are aware, you can still kind of guide or give some information about your feelings about things. And we like the group to lead their own learning mm -hmm. and to bring up the things that are important to them. You could be a voice, right? You could help to be a voice. Hey, there might be people in this room that are don't want to speak up because of some power structures. Why do you think that? Or there could be some people who don't want to speak up right now. Why do you think that is happening mm, in this group? Yep. You know, now as a facilitator, you know what's going on, but you're not saying there is gender dynamics going on right, right. now. What's <laughs> let's let's talk about that. Right. Let's hopefully create that space to share information. So that was the piece that really resonated with me about specific kinds of topics. We got to be careful about our passion mm -hmm. not to let, well, I'm speaking for myself, not to let my passion override what other people need at that time. Right. Uh, if there, if it can fit, yeah, then I'll, I'll see if I can help guide that conversation if it opens up. Um, and also recognize if we are doing something like a discovery program that we've talked about these kinds of programs before, what are we discovering about each other? And let's go talk about that later in a, in a, in a skill development program where we're specifically working or talking about specific topics. So it's just, that was my perspective of the question and wanted to give that uh, just a thought. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it reminds me a little bit about, um, you know, I teach one skill in my experiential facilitation 101 course around as facilitators, we have a lot of personal power and not using your personal power for your own agenda, but making sure that we are, you know, considering the needs of the group, why they're there, what their desired outcomes are of the program. And then, you know, providing the activities or in the, and kind of steering the way, but letting them really drive the conversations. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with coaching or mentoring if that fits the group needs. And if you're working with someone over a long period of time, they're going to expect a little learning or a little, hey, here's my point of view. You know, they're, sometimes they're going to want that from mm -hmm. us as facilitators. But I think it's just kind of a balance of, you know, making sure they're getting what they need and not so much what you are providing them. Right. So thank you guys so much for listening. And, you know, and if you have other thoughts or, you know, any other specifics on this particular topic, we'd love to hear from you about them. And uh, so thanks for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com 
forward slash ask podcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training-wheels.com. You can sign up for my Fun Doing Fridays activity email and find me at onteambuilding.com. We hope you join us next week for Ask Michelle and Chris About Team Building.